0: Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton Podcast, the show where each week we speak to farmer company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. This week, back again with my co host, Adam Walker, uh, and we're joined I by don't. Mike Keynes. Um, Mike, welcome to the show. Adam, welcome to the show. I know that um, Mike Great and I back. have spoken off air previously, but you guys, um, good to introduce you, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, glad, glad to be here.
0: Well, um, Mike, I guess, um, as I say, look, you and I have, have spoken previously. Um, I know that you've got quite a varied um, background and, and how you got into to the market. But for, for our audience and those who are unfamiliar with, with Mike Keynes, um, give us your own little uh, intro about who you are, what you do. Um, and I guess, yeah, I, I guess a, a snapshot of, of how things are looking for yourself.
1: Sure. Yeah, happy to. I can kind of give you the, the Mike Keane's origin story as it pertains to this industry and kind of where things are now. Um, so I, I grew up in, uh, in Arlington, Virginia, which is just right outside of Washington, D.C., um, and you know, always enjoyed science, always enjoyed uh, learning things. Um, went, to, uh, went to university, went to undergrad at James Madison University, um, enjoyed my time there. Uh, pre-med as anybody that likes science does uh, in the US. Um, uh, and then uh, unfortunately, because I spent a little too much time uh, having fun in my first two years there, I, I, I did not make it into any medical schools. Uh, so I, I needed to to boost up my academic credentials. Um, I, uh, I then went to a, a program at the University of Virginia uh, in a master's of science uh, public health program and uh, and thought, I'll spend a year or two doing this, I'll get my grades up and then I'll go to medical school because that's anybody that likes science, that's, that's what you do, you just go to medical school. Um, what was interesting about the program is uh, half of the, the students there were actually physicians who were associated with the hospital system coming back to school to get a concentrated degree in biostatistics or public health or, um, or epidemiology. And so I canvassed all of them to say, I'm applying to medical school, what's one thing I should know uh, in preparation for for going next year? And every single one of them said, don't do it, (laughs) which is kind of not what I was was expecting. Um, And so, uh, and and their complaint was, you know, and it was unanimous, was medicine in the United States at that point in time, and probably still the case, was about managing paperwork insurance companies rather than actually treating patients and it was something that they missed um, and so i looked around and thought well what am i supposed to do i like science i thought i was going to go to medical school um, was fortunate enough that uh, being in charlottesville virginia i was at the at the birthplace of two what would turn out to be very large cro's uh, or contract research organizations so groups that help drug development mm-hmm. uh, one of them was uh, what turned into inc research and insinios Uh, And the other one was a group called PRA Health Sciences. Uh, I joined PRA uh, because they did stuff in science and thought it would be cool. Uh, And that's how I found myself on a 20 year journey uh, working at a contract research organization. Um, And so I I spent a lot of time there. I worked from the ground floor. I spent my first six months calling doctor's offices every day asking if they wanted to participate in the latest clinical trial that we were uh, contracted to help support. which would help me later in the commercial and business development side. Uh, and then just progressed up the ranks in clinical, um, spent uh, what I thought would be one year on the commercial business development side, uh, turned into 10 uh, of, of understanding what sponsors needs are and how you can help support them and help with their strategy. Uh, and then uh, spent uh, the next several years, uh, several years at a time in other organizations and leadership roles, both on the commercial sales side and, uh, and operations. Um, and uh, probably most notably doing very traditional work, uh, traditional research support. Uh, and then most notably about five years ago, I joined an organization uh, that was uh, beginning to provide services in uh, home health or decentralized clinical trials and thought that that was gonna be the next area. Really, really cool stuff. Uh, so joined there and, uh, and that's the area I've been really focused in over the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, both externally and now, uh, you know, with my time at ICON. So that's been a little bit of, a, of an overview and background.
0: Wow. Interesting to hear that you got so much encouragement back then, Mike.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, uh, you know, how... there, there's something to be said for people being very honest with their opinions. <laughs> um, you know, not that you have to take those roads, but uh, but I, I, I did really appreciate all along the way, whether it was in graduate school or, um, I was very fortunate when I was at, uh, at PRA to learn and work with some really great people. Um, and I think, you know, one of the, to me, one of the hallmarks of this industry particularly is there are a lot of really smart, caring people out there. Um, and if you, if you have a level of humility and you look for opportunities to learn, man, I mean, you can really, uh, you know, not only create a nice career trajectory for yourself, but um, you just get to work on really neat stuff.
0: I guess speaking of, of, of that and you know having that humility and, and um that advice that you got to kind of not pursue <laughs> um the things that you were asking about at that time and what you wanted to get into uh, I know that Adam and I are always yet yeah, fascinated to hear what was going on you know in your mind at that time how did you how you know how did you deal with that um and, and what did your life then look like when you, when you kind of made a decision, you know, to move forward?
1: Sure. Yeah, I think I've been fortunate enough in my career to always, you know, to be at a good place and, and then a place of expansion. And so when I, um, when I joined PRA, I think I was the 1900th employee um, and, and PRA, I, it's ironic how things come around. Icon acquired PRA, just recently closed. Uh, you know, Pra was about 20,000 employees, um, and and so it was a growing industry. And and I, I always feel like in the sciences, that is a, a component I've certainly taken for granted that may not be in other um, you know in other industries. Uh, you got to have the uh, the uh, be in an environment where there's growth. Um, but I, what I've always found is. Let me understand this job that I don't know how to do. And I, I want to understand every aspect of it, whether it was calling, you know, doctor's offices every day, calling 50 of them a day, um, you know, which was a slog. Uh, but, you know, every day I walked in going, all right, right, I'm today I'm going to call 51, you know, tomorrow mm-hmm. I'm going to call 52. Um, and oh, just your
0: role at that point was, it was pharmaceutical sales, business development as it's often, uh, titled it, it was, industry. was actually, it was
1: actually an entry level operations role. So it was, uh, it, it had significant components of what would be business development for sure. Like you mentioned. Um, but it was, it was my responsibility. They call it a site support specialist. So it was, it was my responsibility to basically ask doctors if they're interested in participating in clinical trials. Um, so you're absolutely right. You're kind of I didn't realize it at the time, but you're you are trying to understand and sell the opportunity to the physicians. Um, but it was it was technically an ops role. Hmm. I see.
0: And look, how how did you get on with that? Because I know that you know having worked in in sales recruitment, and um, you know calling out to people to ask for support or to try and understand things, you're often. You know, viewed as it's it's it can be annoying you know these physicians are you know, they're busy people they're trying to get on with their, their business yes your opportunity is perhaps a, a fantastic one but unless they know that there's no interest until you can kind of flip that switch so how how did you cope with that because I know myself that there's so many people that kind of fall by the wayside in any position like that um, you know what was it about yourself that you know, gave you that sticking power because you know we're we're now talking twenty years on, and you've clearly gone up through the ranks. You know, you've been COO, you've been VP at various organizations. So, what what did those early days? What were the characteristics that you had um, that perhaps allowed you to go past that level?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, for me, it wasn't so much about what I'm doing today; I want to do forever. I, I guess I always looked at it as. I obviously need to know what I'm being asked to do before I can move on to the next level. It's not what I wanna do for the rest of my life. I've never actually been in a position even to this day of this is what I wanna be doing five years from now um, I, I, because the industry to me is so dynamic. But it, with each of those roles, I, I guess that when I joined was this is an industry I know nothing about, um, You know, it, what, this is what I'm being asked to do. Let me make sure that I understand this so that I can then move on to the next role. And so to me, it wasn't so much, I love calling doctors and nurses every day. Who, to your point, James, I mean, those first couple of calls, I didn't know anything. I mean, my big advantage coming out of graduate school is I could at least pronounce everything. <laughs> so I had, I had a colleague of mine saying, man, you sound really good on the phone. You can actually pronounce all these words. And I thought, well, I mean, I've just spent all this time in the life sciences. Of course I can pronounce, you know, different aspects of things. Um, but uh, you know, th- I, I would cringe if we had recorded those calls and I listened to them now. You know, kind of a 21, 22 year old kid calling in, a very busy site, a, a study coordinator who has probably got six different jobs, a principal investigator who has no time for anybody. Um, yeah. But I think what it you know, to your point, it it laid the foundation for me as I moved into different roles of understanding what am I actually asking them for. And, and what do I wanna to talk to them about and being very specific. Um, I, I do this a lot where I, you know, when I make presentations or I talk to groups, I often in my head do what I call the cynic filter. So what will the most cynical person think about what I'm about to say or present? And that helps me refine, you know, if, if you're talking to your operational team, you know, what are you conveying to them? If you're talking to a customer or a potential customer about a commercial opportunity, What are you conveying and what are they going to say back to you? I don't think I recognized it at the time, but, um, you know, it only, and and you know, this as well, and I'm sure others do that are listening or watching this podcast. It only takes a couple of phone calls where someone just tears you up or makes you feel, you know, about an inch tall to have a a motivation for you to give it a few extra minutes of thought. And it makes all the difference in the world.
0: It does indeed. I mean, fortunately for me, I've got a bit of a, an advantage there because as Adam will, um, back me up on I, I I am only about an inch tall um <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen any of our pictures uh from recently on on Wink, uh, LinkedIn I met up with Adam not so long ago and he absolutely divorced me I, I didn't realize what a, a mountain of a man Mr Adam Walker is. Uh, well dare I
2: say it my son also towers over me at six foot three so I'm not tall particularly I think I'm just under six foot but my son is up here and he's not even 17 yet. But yeah, I think you, you make it. I mean, you've made a, a couple of amazing points there, Mike. I mean, our backgrounds are actually very similar. Dare I say it, I also had a passion to go into medicine or anything to do with medicine. And I think if you have that passion and that drive, you don't mind what you do. Anything that's going to navigate you closer to the you know the nub of what it is you're really passionate about it sounds like you know we're very closely aligned around that and and also i think to the to the other point that you made around um you know just doing the routine things but doing them to the best of your abilities that's a skill you know people aren't born with that and people don't have all all people don't have that resilience do they so clearly you know i'm hearing resilience in everything that you do both Professionally and, and no doubt personally as well. So I mean, is that a key characteristic you would describe around yourself? Resilience.
1: Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess resiliency is a great word. I always looked at it as flexibility and curiosity, and and they're they're analogous to some level. Um, but I think you know, to your point, um, there's always something you can learn. And and there, I've done a lot of things in my career, as I'm sure the both of you guys have, where. You don't think going in, hey, I'm going to love doing this. Um, but it, what I would say is everything I've done, I've learned something from. And what's amazing is if you can, for me, what's always been helpful is you then start to create mental models. So when you learn something new, you can then learn it much more quickly because you're saying, oh, this is just like this other task. You change the words, change one or two things. But it's exactly like it. Um, and that makes you more proficient. But I think to your point, you know, whether it's resiliency or flexibility, curiosity. Um, you can't just kind of just daydream or sleepwalk through what you're doing and, and be any good at it. Um, and, and you know you have to take away something from what you do. But I, I, I think
2: also to sorry to, to to follow on from from that as well. You know, having now worked with many many very eminent um, medics. I realized that my skill set is very different to those medics. And I'm sure that, that that's also very similar to, to your experience. You know, there's a reason why there is there are roles for, for you and I in this industry, because ultimately, these guys may be brilliant at what they do. But there are certain things that they're not great at. And uh, they need people to uh, organize them, sometimes communicate clearly and in a, you know, a very simplified fashion. And I think, you know, there are many similarities between between the processes that you're following and and, and the experiences that I've also had as well.
0: And I think uh, the other thing I t- um, sort of took from you there, Mike, is that the kind of that one day at a time scenario. Look, nobody starts out as an expert. You just have to get better and, and better. Uh, and I was recommended to read a book recently uh, labelled um, Become So Good That They Can't Ignore You. And it's just that building on everything so that eventually you get good enough that you start to enjoy it because people, they're not look knocking you back anymore. You, you know, it is extremely tailored as, as what you do. Um, and I know that when I ever reach out to people, I try to make it as detailed, as personalized as, as possible. And, you know, you've been lucky enough to get one of my, my sales videos, uh, when I was trying to pitch yourself. Um, I then managed to get you on the podcast. So look, it's a, a partial win there. Um, but look that that's i think what it's all about and it's just about having that that personality and character to keep going and i think that that is one of the things that when it when you blew me out I mean, let's let's put it as it is you blew me out on my on my sales pitch um but you know i, I looked at your profile and there was just so much personality there uh, for you you know with some of the predictions that you've been doing with decentralized trials and um, i was like look oh, you know I'm, I'm not upset about this i'd still love to talk to this guy Um, And and here we are. So look, moving forward, um, you know, you've had several roles, you've been in in business development, you've been a a chief operating officer, VP, you know, how is life looking for Mike Keane's 2021 mid-year?
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I would say hopefully everybody's life is better than we were at this time last year. My goodness. Um, You know, I, I think, um, it's 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 bright there are a lot, there are a lot of opportunities i think anybody that's in this healthcare space regardless of what role you do there are lots of opportunities and if there can be considered any you know any silver lining to what was a by all accounts across many areas a, a horrendous year last year um, with covid and lockdown and and just you know deaths and and alterations of life um, you know anyone that's in the health sciences this is a huge there's a better understanding of what we do um, you know I, I used to yes. talk to family members and friends all the time and try to talk about what is a CRO what's a contract research organization and you, you kind of have to you know basically we do you know a lot of the support and, and uh, you know and, and some of the research that drug companies you know would don't want to take on themselves for various reasons um, but to explain even what a phase study is. So phase one, phase two, phase three, you know, people get that now after, after COVID. Um, and so I think from my perspective, it, it's, it's very bright looking forward. There are lots of opportunities to, to participate in the environment, to help educate, um, to distinguish. And, and one of the things, and you've mentioned the predictions, I mean, one of the things that I, I enjoy doing, and I think not enough people in the industry do, is, is to actually put an opinion out there. Um, and so there are, there are several people in this industry, I think, that, um, that do take that liberty. You had one on your podcast and Craig Lipset. Um, you know, Craig is, is uniquely positioned to have always you know, particularly been involved in some more cutting edge, uh, more advanced type uh, work and research. Um, but there aren't a lot of people that are willing to put out an opinion on anything about what they do. And, and I think part of that is the environment where people, you know, they get critical yeah. about what happens if I'm wrong. I'm going to be wrong on what I put out there. But I, I think part of it is, is being afraid. The, the second part of it, though, and I hope this changes in the industry, and it, it kind of ties into what we've been talking about, is I think there are many people out there who don't actually really live and breathe their job and, and their profession. And so they don't spend the time to cultivate an opinion on something because they're too busy just doing. They're too busy doing what someone else has asked them to do. Um, that's an important piece to get paid. <laughs> you know, You have to do what you're actually being paid to do and asked to do. But you know, if you if you add that resiliency, curiosity, that that kind of um, that creativity, um, I found that the, there's a wide open space for you to express opinions or be different, and and make a difference. And so I think you know, for me, doing that is is a way to differentiate yourself and to keep yourself honest. And just like you mentioned, James, with your outreach, I mean, I, I was showing my wife your video, uh, your outreach video to me on LinkedIn. <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, and and then looking at my response and just saying, you know what? I don't have a need for you, you know, for what you're, what you're offering, but man, like kudos to you for sending a differentiated message and spending 47 seconds, you know, doing something different. Um, And so I think we need more of that in this industry.
2: If I can just pick up on that as well, Mike, I mean, this podcast would never have happened had it not been for COVID and, you know, someone like James actually challenging the status quo, putting himself out there and approaching people like yourself, Craig Lipset, and m- many others, including myself, because I started doing this as a one-to-one with James. And, you know, that's how our our working, working relationship built out of that. So we're all doing things, we're all pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone. And I think to, to, to the point that you're making, you know, over the last 18 months, we're all doing different things. We're doing the same things better, more efficiently, faster, we're bringing drugs to market certainly quicker. We're living in a clinical trial world where everyone knows the language that we speak now, and and at the same time, you have to one has to adapt to the change. Otherwise, you'll be left behind, won't you? This is the point, you know. And th- this is what we're all experiencing now. There has never been a greater time to be in life science, anything to do with clinical research, supporting the activities of of um, of medicine today. But I think. You know, you've got to have that drive and passion, and and be willing to change and accept change and embrace change, because change is clearly, you know, the thing that you're you're experiencing firsthand as well, uh, as much as we all are.
1: Yeah, I, absolutely, and, and as part of that too, and I know James, you and I talked about this before. I mean, you know, for those that are listening or watching, so I, I'm actually I'm, I'm moving on from Icon, um, and, and part of that reason is, you know, I think anybody that's interested in this in this industry. There are a significant number of opportunities out there. I, I'm actually moving to a, a private equity-backed uh, medical and technology company, so still, still in the in the clinical development field. Um, Icon is doing a lot of great innovation, at, as others are too. Um, but there, there are no dearth of, of uh, opportunities out there, um, and and I think you can take some chances sometimes. I, I don't think this is. A, I don't think I'm taking a risk on this one, but. Um, but, you know, I think there, there are ways to be fulfilled, and, and I've mentioned for people in their careers, um, you know, I, I never take, uh, you know, any offense if individuals I've worked with have said, hey, I'm leaving, I'm going to go take this other opportunity. I, good, great. I mean, we are so fortunate in the life sciences space other than, you know, if you're my, – my U.S.-based, you know, analogy is always if you're a textile manufacturer living in North Carolina – you're pretty much going to have to stay there forever, um, you know. It, but if you're in the clinical trial development space or drug development, I mean, it is a terrific time to be involved and and either make those differences on where you're working or contribute in other organizations. It's it's a wide open field. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, that's been my experience
2: as well. You know, the diversity of challenge, the diversity of opportunities. LinkedIn is an incredible platform these days. I mean. It just drives opportunity every single day for me. I'm, I don't know whether that's your experience, but you know, if it's not, if it's not people, people like James ringing me up and, and making contact around new opportunities, it's it's about other people liking and sharing various things that I'm putting out there that I would never have done before either.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I and I was going to ask the both of you. I mean, I think um, you know, certainly specific job opportunities, it's a great platform, but even from a landscape awareness or learning from other people. I mean, I, for better or worse, I mean, and and Adam, I'm sure since we just recently connected, it'll be the same, but I mean, I already have an insight into part of James's life just from what he's posted on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, some of it is professional and some of it's just rounding him out as an individual, but I think
2: exactly, it's
1: it's great. It's great stuff. And and it's a great resource and reference. I use Twitter a lot too. Um, I think that's, that's a little bit, not as much used, but man, it, for anybody in this space, and I started doing it when I was on the commercial side and I do it now, I do it actually, I'm, I'm a little uh, obsessive compulsive about it, but um, I follow a lot of biotech analysts globally. And, and if you wanna follow, not only, you know, here's what the press release said, but you know, here's what the analysts are thinking. That is a great way, whether you're in business development or operations, to just get a next level understanding about the industry. I mean, it's it's been a game changer for me.
0: Well, I know that. Um, yeah, I think LinkedIn has just exploded um, since the pandemic broke out. I think everyone was driven to, you know, their their mobile devices. You know, we can walk around, we get notifications, it pings off. You know, we can respond to people in seconds. It's been it's been a bit of a game changer for, I guess most industries but particularly you know clinical research and, and life sciences because that's where the big buzz has, has been um but i know that yeah twitter is something i've i've never really understood i need to get myself up to speed with um the youngsters on that one uh, but i think clubhouse is huge for, for this industry i know that another one yeah you're you're now you're getting involved in that more and more getting sucked in aren't you
2: oh, i love it i absolutely <laughs> love it i i it's, it's like my guilty pleasure. It pings up on my phone some evenings, and uh, my goodness me, some of the people I'm following and engaged with have, have really opened up all sorts of different conversations that I couldn't possibly have envisaged. And there's no video involved in it, so it's just voice. And then people follow you back and, you know, it, it's another one of these communities. It genuinely is a community, but I think it's so niche and it's so focused around, you know, DCT for example. I mean, I, I listened into Craig's last week. Um, I think I was traveling traveling on Friday, and I was listening, and there was absolutely brilliant conversation. I was just listening in and learning. I, you know, there's no commitment. You don't have to jump on the on the platform to talk. You can just listen in. You can just listen to people chatting and learn from other people. And that is the basis of improving oneself, whether it's personally or professionally. And and I just do that all the time now. But but there are particular particular channels that I'm listening into, the real-world evidence, real-world data, decentralized clinical trials, there's loads. I'm sure you're involved in it as well, aren't you, Mike?
1: You know, I'm a little bit of a late adopter to Clubhouse. I've jumped on, um, especially around the DCT discussions that Craig was leading. I was going to ask you and James, if you're on that, uh, you know, because one of the questions I had is, you know, Whereas LinkedIn, you go in and it's all right in front of you and you're going through posts and everything. Clubhouse is a point in time, obviously, yes. where the discussions are taking place. How do you manage your involvement on that platform? Do you look kind of every week as to what's scheduled or, if, hey, I've got an extra two hours, an hour from now, let me just see what's going on. Is it is it ad hoc? Do you have a specific- It's, it's you know, very way? ad hoc.
2: For me, it's very ad hoc. It's just, I may have half an hour, my phone may ping at that time, and I've got a gap in my schedule. And I'm not going to be doing it all night every night, that's for sure, because many of them are very heavily U.S. centric as well. That's the other point. You know, time-wise, it it actually works quite nicely in my day because often, you know, I can join an East Coast chat quite comfortably at the end of my working day. I'm not going to do it in the middle of my day. And as I say, it seems to be very heavily driven out of, out of the U.S., particularly around the the interesting topics that I'm following at the moment. Um, but, you know, when I'm following, now I'm following people, it just pops up all the time and it says such and such is in the room. And there are just some incredible conversations that, that I'm having also on the back of some people that we've interviewed, um, James and I. So, you know, Paul Sims, he does a lot on there, uh, James. I
0: follow him a lot. Yeah. For me, oh, I mean, my, oh, I'm, I dived into it when it first came out. There was a lot of buzz about it. You know, on LinkedIn, you probably saw it yourself. You know, all of the influence were like, you need to be on Clubhouse. I got sucked in and realized that before I knew it, I'd listened into about three hours of stuff that I just didn't understand. And then I was like, <laughs> "You know what? This is going to be a huge time suck for me." And so, for my focus is, and probably still re- will remain on on LinkedIn. But I can't deny the the presence of, of yeah, the the biotech life sciences community being on Clubhouse. So it's it's, it's a powerful not to be community. Overlooked, is it, Adam? Yeah. No,
2: it's a powerful community. And as I say, I think it's another one of those differentiators, particularly if you're supporting life sciences, biotech, med technologies, you know, there are all sorts of connections that you can make outside of your normal everyday. It's it's a very different platform to LinkedIn and people can hear your engagement. This is the other point. You know, when you hear someone and you're not seeing them, you're actually thinking, hmm, I actually really like what that person said and I really get what they've just said and the way they've described it is brilliant. And It just engages you on a very different level. You don't get the non—you know, there's there's no non-verbal, there's there's none of the hand movements, the intonation in the voice, very little around that. It's more like listening to a podcast or a radio show, and yet you can jump in and you can share an opinion, and that's what's so brilliant about it. I I think it's amazing. Well,
1: that's good to hear that both of you have kind of engaged with that platform because that's probably the one that's still—I'm a bit, uh, you know, it's still you know gestating for me. And, and I think what I'm trying, you know, when I, whenever I use these platforms, what I try to then do, and you guys may do the same, is, you know, there is a torrent of information that just washes over sure. you. And so it's then not only finding which platform should you engage with or incorporate, but then how do you actually understand, take in, and then more importantly, action the information yep. that you're hearing or receiving and And so I've got a schedule with Twitter. I check Twitter every morning for about 30 minutes. I just go through and just kind of see what's there. And then obviously I get emailed all the, you know, all the industry newsletters. And, um, but then I, I try to reserve some time where I'm thinking, well, so what? So, you know, okay. So this is the third time I've heard this. Like, what is the, what's the implication? Not just what's the information, but what's the implication. And that's I haven't gotten there with Clubhouse yet, but I, I will now that uh, especially knowing that you're kind of taking some different approaches to it that I can incorporate. I
2: think you can focus it. but as you say, you know to, to, to both the points that you you've both made, it, it could be a time sink and I'm very careful about the time I spend. and that might be because I'm an independent consultant, so I'm very conscious of the time I'm spending whether it's for me or for other people. but you know as far as I'm concerned, uh, I could be doing something productive and if it's not productive and I'm not learning, then I need to be somewhere else. That's the way I look at it. I'm pretty harsh and black and white about that, actually. You know, I've got to be learning something. Otherwise, I'll just drop off and drop out of that conversation. So there's, a, there's one I use, There's one I follow called Health Considered, which is really good. That's to do with Paul Sims. And there's a group of individuals around that who I've been opening conversations about, which is tremendous.
0: I can imagine, why that it would, it would definitely be a good opportunity for you. So I would most certainly check that out. Um, But look, Mm -hmm. as much as talking about opportunities is fantastic and there's a ton out there at the moment. Um, Look, I guess back to to your story and and how you've been been going recently. Um, Look, we have been living in um, a a pandemic for a considerable amount of time. Uh, In the UK, you know, we recently relaxed a lot of restrictions um but it's, it's still brought up a lot of challenges for all of us around the world um so look for, for our audience you, you're going through a, a switch of jobs as you you know openly um uh, mentioned you know what have been the biggest challenges for yourself over the the past 18 months how have you dealt with them and i guess look what what are the plans moving forward what's what's next for mr mike's Keynes?
1: Yeah, no, I yeah happy to touch on it. I mean, it's interesting because um, so on a on a very you know kind of personal side, personal impact. Um, I I left my job at another global home health organization. I'd been there for about four years. Um, right before COVID hit, and it was it was going to take a a role with a former private equity company who I had been working with. Um, and they said, you know, we're we're about to. We're about to buy a company, and we'd like you to take the, the head leadership role um, at the CEO level, and you know come come join us. And so I left my job um, that I had had at the time. This was in you know kind of January February of last year time, without having the other one completely signed on the dotted line. Um, help the help the private equity team go through some due diligence. This was about March time frame. COVID then you know I mean really everybody got locked down. Mm -hmm. Um, so from the from the negative standpoint, got a phone call saying, We like you, but we're not buying anything this year. There is too much landscape risk. Um I'm sorry. Uh obviously this is kind of a act of God type situation. And um, you know, let's see what happens when this all resolves and we know the more of the risk, which I I completely understand that decision. Um that didn't help me at the time though, (laughs) where I had no job. Um, and so I thought, oh my gosh, like ahead
0: at that that time, time? but you just thinking? oh shit, what do I do? Cause I would have been, I would have been, yeah, I would have been calling everyone, you know, you know, kind of, Oh, what do I do? You know, I, I would have been running about a million stories in my head at once. How did you manage that?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, all, all of that happened for sure. Um, I didn't, I, I definitely didn't take it in stride. Like, Oh, it'll get figured out. Um, I went, Oh my gosh, I can't, you know, what am I going to do? We've got savings and things, but you know, you don't want to draw on that. And, um, what am I going to do when no one is hiring? You know, because there, I think it's hard for people to remember, but in in that March-April timeframe, maybe even into May,
2: yeah.
1: I mean, people were not hiring because they didn't understand the economic risks that were that they were being thrust into. Um, where I was very fortunate, really, two things: one, over twenty years in the industry, I had a pretty wide network of of individuals and a very expansive network organically, you know, just one of those, you've been in the industry long enough and you work with a lot of people, you maintain relationships and, and that helped out a lot. Um, and, and not all of those came to fruition, but two opportunities came specifically through that. Um, they were both in the home healthcare space, which made a lot of sense. I mean, I was, that's so on the, on the networking side, you know, that was, uh, you know, decades in, in the making and, and anyone can start and kind of feeding and watering their relationships. You will benefit from that in the future. Uh, at some point in time, whether you plan to or not. Mm-hmm. But the second piece, I got really lucky. Um, I mean, we had a global pandemic, and the you know the response to that global pandemic in drug development was we need to start having patients be seen in the home. I had just spent the last four years doing that service. So I you know, the first part I was I very much had a hand in. The second part was just straight luck. Um, I ended up being in a, in a space where during a global pandemic, I had multiple job offers um, with no notice. And so that became, that was, I, I felt very fortunate to be in that position. Um, and, and now as we've talked about and work hard, you know, we, we, we have vaccine options and we're still battling, um, you know, with different variants and, and different level of acceptance, uh, especially in the US and, and pockets of vaccines, uh, you know, people taking them. Um, but you know, we're moving on to the next phase and and that uh, you know my time at icon, which has been a good company, was not where I started off intending to be. Um, I feel like I added a lot of, a lot of value during a very difficult time for them. Um in you know, how do you how do you respond to this need? Uh, you know, have you know hundreds of percent increase of requests in what this was providing. And now, you know, moving on to the next thing. Um, so I, I feel very, very lucky. But there was definitely that, oh, shit moment <laughs> when uh, when you have to say, hey, uh, I thought that thing that was going to work out, that's not going to now because yeah. of this unforeseen global pandemic.
0: I'm having one of those moments at the moment. I'm not sure if you can hear, guys, but I have just been hit by a huge storm. And the roof ah. of my office is rattling with that. Uh. It <laughs> is crazy. It uh, was
2: it- here yesterday, James. Uh, literally, same time yesterday, It the heavens opened and... I lost all my internet connection. We had like a, a lightning bolt. I mean, it's steamy hot, but anyway, yes, we can just about make it a little. Sounds like a little
0: pizza pasta, but it's very pleasant. Hopefully, hopefully, I can remain with you guys, um, which will be fantastic. And um, so, look, Mike, it sounds like that was a bit of a roller coaster ride, but you've you've come out of it, and now you're you're kind of where you wanted to be and where you wanted to go pre-COVID, right? So it's kind of uh, at the time. As you say, you didn't take it in your stride. It wasn't a case of, okay, look, we can deal with this, etc., uh, etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Certainly not that whatsoever. Uh, but it worked out that way in the end. Um, so what's next? Uh, you know, you, you're moving on. Um, you know, is this going to be sort of a big long-term thing? Um, is it, you know... Um, what sort of plans do you have? What are you planning for, for the new business? And, and what predictions, you know, it'd be, be rude if we didn't ask you about some of your predictions for, you know, the next year, 18 months, or, you know, even further afield. I know that when, when I had Craig on the show, um, some of his predictions, you know, blew my mind because he wasn't thinking about, you know, coming out of lockdown and things like this. He was thinking so far down the line, I couldn't even comprehend pending. It. So it'd be good to get an idea of to where your head sits on that.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I, and, and I'm happy to share. So I think, um, you know, I guess I, it, in where I see myself going and and then I'll get to the predictions, um, you know, for the industry for home health. Um, what I, I, I do a lot of, you know, for better or for worse, I, I get introspective at times. I think, you know, in addition to people not taking chances in, in putting their opinions out there. The other thing I'm not sure people do enough of is to actually take an inventory about what are your skills? What do you have to offer people? What are your thoughts on things? It's amazing how in this industry, if you just ask most people, I don't even know that they have conceived thoughts on, on things. Um, for me, what I found in, in that process was I, I like building things. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm a builder. I, I like being very engaged with Uh, with my colleagues, whether it's an operations or commercial, Um, you know, I'm not a natural delegate everything guy. Um, I think I need to learn how to delegate a little bit more. But, um, but as part of that, you know, for my journey, I've really enjoyed being aligned with private equity organizations who make investments in companies, um, either at leadership or in, in bringing other organizations in to make them better, to make the offering better. I've really enjoyed that. And so that's what this opportunity is going to provide for me. Is, is basically an opportunity to take an executive level leadership role um, in a well-established company that, that is now kind of looking to be taken to the next level um, and, and being able to relate to what we're currently doing, but then have a bit of a vision about where we wanna go. Um, and I love doing that. And, and you know, those organizations tend to be under several thousand people. Um, it's hard to do that uh, you know, when you've got you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people. And so I, I'm looking forward to that on the personal level. And to be honest with you, you know, those organizations are, they're invested in point in time, you know, they make an investment two to five years, they, they kind of do what they intended to do, someone recognizes the value, they, the organization gets purchased, then you go on to the next thing and, and you do it again. And, um, and so that's what I see for myself, I, I really see kind of being involved in that, um, you know, that that enhancement, and then that growth, and then once it hits a certain level, you go to the next opportunity. Um, so that's on the personal side on the, on the predictions.
0: So, so and on one of the, thing- the personal side of thing, you quite like, you like the build, you like to get in, make an impact, move on. It's, it's kind of, that's where you get the buzz.
1: That's what keeps you going, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think for me, it, it combines from, for me, it's combining not only operationalizing concepts, but your know, strategy as well. So conceiving of them, And then working with teams to make them executable. Um, And and then when you're dealing with organizations that only have several hundred or or a thousand, um, that mentoring aspect is one that I found that I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of also and a lot of benefit. And and I think it keeps me constantly trying to be aware of the industry when you're, as a default, mentoring other people. Um, But I, I really enjoy the contact. I really enjoy the involvement.
0: On that, you mentioned mentoring there for a second, and and I guess putting the two together. So you like to get in, you like to build, you like to help out, you like to mentor. Um, You know, it just makes me think of where this has come from with with yourself. You know, I guess probably a, a two prong question here is, you know, did you, is there any specific role models that you had coming up through the ranks? And is, you know, any specific role models that you still look to, to kind of, I guess, mold your own vision and, and your own personality to, you know, to do things the way that you do?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, I've been really fortunate and I will, uh, I'll give some shout outs. Uh, I can, I can, uh, I can tag these individuals on the LinkedIn post for this, unexpectedly for them. But um, I benefited tremendously from um, several organizations that I've been involved with. So I think, you know, in, in at top level response, most of my mentorship, um, you know, sort of professional expansion, when I first started, came from my supervisors and their bosses that I worked with in the organizations I worked with at that point in time. So um, I was really fortunate when I worked at PRA um, to have great mentors like Alan Simpson, who, who was the head of the office of where I sat. Actually, he's a Brit who came to the US um, and, uh, and now has been in the US, I think, for over 20 years um, terrific guy. Um, and, and Sybil Veter, who was one of, my, one of my first bosses and, and those individuals, and I've never asked them, I'd have to ask them at some point, but, um, you know, I don't know if it's because I presented as someone who was curious and wanted to learn, um, and having been on the other side of that, you know, when you're in a leadership role that, you know, and, and individuals present that to you at, at, at kind of entry levels, I've always jumped onto those folks. I think, someone who's, who's demonstrating that they're interested, that they're curious, that they want to learn. Unfortunately, they're not enough of those people in the environment. And so for those that do, I think you really stand out in a positive way. Um, so that, that's, you know, th- that's been helpful for me. Um, and then other individuals, Jamie Oliver, when I was at Advanced, you a know, really smart guy. Kent Tolke at PRA. I mean, these were, I, I recognized how smart they were. I saw what I wanted to be you know, aspects of them. And, and I wasn't shy about asking to learn from them. And they were great. Um, as I've, as I've kind of advanced in the ranks myself, you know, I, I draw a little, I, I, I have a great foundation in those individuals and I draw a lot then on external, um, you know, media and podcasts. So I'm, I'm a big podcast guy and it's, it's from everywhere. It's, uh, you know, building a story brand by Donald Miller. He's a, he's a marketing guy, but also just a basic, you know, how you run your business. Um, Wilnick who, who runs, uh, you know, his own podcast, who's a former Navy SEAL, which you would think, what does that have to do with anything that you learn? But a lot of great, I mean, he has a whole business consulting company where he ties in military knowledge into business in a surprisingly engaging way. Um, you would think he'd just be this uh, military meathead, but he's very smart guy. So as I've grown through my own career, most, most of my mentoring now actually comes peripherally through podcasts, but I, I was very fortunate uh, to be lined, aligned with people that, um, you know, took me under their wing. And I'm sure most of that was for them. And a little bit of it was because I exhibited some interest.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I know that, that, you know, Adam and I love that sort of thing. And, you know, if you can, if Absolutely. your outside interests tie into what you're doing to work and you can bring that element in, which is, yeah, you know, as you've, you mentioned, I often will post the occasional personal thing on, on my LinkedIn, but it's often because it relates so much to business um so I think you're you're spot on there, and I know that Adam would agree because you're the same, aren't you, Adam?
2: Well, yeah. Uh I, I don't think you can I, I don't think you can overshare. I think you need to be careful about what you share. But you may, you know, you made some amazing points there, Mike. You're learning all the time. This is what I'm hearing constantly through everything that you're saying. You're also giving plenty of respect to the people that you've learned along the way. And I think we're very closely. Uh, aligned around that particular point I'm still engaged with many of those people who gave me my first opportunities by the way and I've <laughs> got to a position now where I'm actually employing them which is quite embarrassing but I have to say that and and I would I would also give shouts out to, to some very eminent uh, colleagues of mine over the years who I've learned exceptionally from and since I've been reworking with them I've realized the, the way in which I work is because of them I've even found that and I said that to this one particular Dr Arazina Raddy Arazina is the guy I'm going to sh- shout out to but he's the guy who pretty much taught me clinical research 1.1 and uh you know we we've we've re-engaged, um very recently and I, I find my characteristics are exactly like his um and and so you know you you're you're um you're making very similar points to to the experiences that i've had but uh you know it, it it's fascinating to hear your story mike because um you're very you're very open about who you've learned from, but also I think for that next step, you know, it's quite clear that your trajectory is is only heading in one direction and you're very clear about what, what you're looking for the future to be. And no doubt you will have enormous influence based upon the things that you'll continue to learn all the time and, and gain along the way.
0: Most definitely, I think, yeah, just I, I can only agree with, with that. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to, to watch your your story as it grows even more, uh, Mike. To see what you can do, where, where you are next. But no, it's it's quite refreshing for, for you to open up and just be you know honest about. Yeah, look, this is who I learned for. This is why, and this is you know who I credit some of my success to. Because I think we've all had influences in in our life that have you know molded who we are now. And that's you know just being able to recognize that is is often half the challenge. And uh, you've done that you know tremendously. Um, So, as I say, we'll we'll certainly be following you. um, But before we let you go, um, in true style of the Huxley Morton podcast, we always like to wrap up with a few quick fire questions. Um, Now, you've touched on a couple of them already, um, but I'll I'll kick off with the first one of them. And and that is, you know, what is the the number one piece of advice that you would perhaps give to your younger self when you first got into that um, advice? You know, everyone was saying to you, don't do this. What would you give yeah. to someone who is trying to follow, follow in your
1: footsteps? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, I think for me, um, you know, the advice that I would give is, whether you like doing what you're doing now or not, you can learn from it. And you, there is at least one piece of takeaway knowledge that whether you realize it or not, you will use later. And that will make you better. And so to me, it's pay attention to what you're doing You don't have to like what you're doing. It's not going to be your forever job, Um, but pay attention and and understand that, um, you know, do the best that you can because there are going to be some things that you'll learn and you'll realize it at the time that you're learning them. It's like an iceberg though. There's going to be a lot underneath that you didn't realize you were learning that you're going to apply later and it's going to make you more successful. So it would be, you know, look for opportunities to take that knowledge away literally from everything that you do.
2: That's a great point, Mike. Um, I listened to a podcast earlier in the week, and this it was it was a, a sports leader in in the UK called Sir Ian McGeechan, who was the um, leader of the British and Irish Lions rugby team for some period of time. And he talked about world class basics, and I think you're talking about world class basics, aren't you? You know, it's doing what doing the doing, but making it as great as it can possibly be, not knowing where that might lead you. It's those types of reinforced messages that actually embed themselves in your behaviors really that's what you're describing isn't it absolutely yep perfect thank you so much for that um leading on to the second question i think you've mentioned a couple of books or resources but is there one particular one that you would that you would advise our listeners to to have on their bedside or or to consider reading next on their list
1: yeah you know one of the ones that i've i've enjoyed and i've read twice now um and I read it, I reread it at times, depending on what's going on with me, but, um, has been, uh, the hard thing about hard things. Um, and so, I uh, and it, it's a great, it's a great story, uh, about, uh, an entrepreneur who became CEO at a, of a tech company before the tech bust. And, and it hits on, you know, there's some great phrases in there. I, I know that this, this probably not a, you know, the, the audience for this podcast is, uh, is not young, you know, not like youngers, like kids. So I, I'll go ahead and say it, but every little gems in there from, you know, look, if you have to take a bite of a shit sandwich, don't nibble,
2: <laughs> which, which I
1: love. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, no, look, if you, have to, if you have to convey bad news, like just take it on, just take it on, have a difficult discussion mm. and just get past it. Um, so that's a, that's a more evocative <laughs> way of that piece of advice. Um, but, uh, but it has a lot of great, it has a lot of great information in there about, you know, what you do when you face different challenges. How do you think about growth? How do you convey messages both internally and externally? And it's all done from someone who, who was taking a diary as they were going through it in real time. So, um, awesome. that is my favorite, you know, R-rated gem, but, uh, <laughs> but not safe for work gem, but, um, you know, it, that's just an example. It's a great book.
0: That's I know I like the sound of that. It sounds right up my street. And actually, uh, Adam, I have to mention here that I spoke to Raddy just yesterday. Um, oh, and you know listen. what? He he almost shares that that very mentality. Um so, yeah, great guy. I'm, I'm looking forward to to getting him on the show with us um, shortly. Uh, but look, Fabulous. Mike, while you're still with us, uh, I guess the, the next question from, from my side um, is, look, what are the top three qualities that you value most when you're building your own teams? Because that's, that's what you like to do. You like to go in build, you know. Um, so what are the what are the qualities that you value most amongst your team?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think when I look back on on the teams that I've built and and when it's worked well and when it hasn't, I think, know the first is that you have to be curious you i mean you have to you have to want to understand about the role um and with that and i and i learned this a lot from uh one of my former bosses karen trader you know ask questions ask questions if you don't understand um there there's nothing more frustrating for me than people who follow the rules without understanding why those rules exist and and i've often said to individuals and i'm i know that uh the qa departments that i've worked with haven't appreciated this always but um I said, look, you, you have to know why the rules exist to know when they do not apply, and because otherwise you're a robot. So you know, I think you have to be curious, you have to be looking to do the best that you can, um, and then you have to have an opinion. I, I mean, I think I, I try to create an environment in teams that I've worked with where I'd be very open on my opinion because I think it's a uh, you know I've thought about it. It's an informed opinion. I I think about work a lot, um, but just as quickly. I get worried if I'm if the ideas that we're doing are all mine. I start to get a little worried because I know I'm not the smartest person in the room. I've worked with a lot of brilliant people, um, and I think I have some great ideas, but I don't have every great idea. and uh, And so I think people need to feel free enough to express their opinion. Um, in addition to being you know being curious, and in addition to being uh, you know, trying to do that the best that they can. Um, and so th- those are really like the top three, top four that I look for um, in-, in roles. I
0: like it. I like it. I guess that encourages creativity, cre- encourages ideas. Um, and as you say, you know, you don't want to be doing everything yourself because as you uh, you said earlier, you're not necessarily... someone who likes to delegate everything and if you ended up doing everything it would just be the Mike Keane show Um, and you're looking to build something (laughs) to then you know perhaps leave it a better place than when you joined it you know it's that's uh, so I think yeah great great couple of values to have there.
2: I'll I'll just quote my wife before I move on to the next question so my (laughs) wife is a teacher shout out to B. she's great by the way Um, and and it's not just about the why it's the why and why and why you know the words, it's the first why. So what? And then the next one, and then the next one, and the next one. And only then will you get to the actual root of the question. You know, ask why, ask why, ask why. Do your Yeah,
1: plan. absolutely. And I'll just jump on real quickly because just to expand that for a second, because I, 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 to you know, when I try to describe this to team members, the reason it's important to understand that reasoning because you will run into situations where the intent of what of why you're doing something is actually ends up being more important than the what you're doing. And so if you understand the intent, then you'll understand, oh, well, this doesn't look exactly like I was expecting it to, all right, well, what's the intent though? And that's, you know, you can never be wrong if you at least understand the intent.
2: You've got to have that full 360 understanding because people will ask you the question from different angles and you've got to understand and have the answer for those people, um, for those different roles, responsibilities uh, uh, that sit around that question. why because they're all asking different whys um that leads me quite nicely onto the um onto a personal question so outside of work what would we find you doing mike when you're when you're not embedded in in this wonderful industry that we're working
1: yeah (laughs) i I, it's somewhat seasonal uh so i would say in the summertime um where we have a we have a nice opportunity to be near a lake um, i do like spending time with our neighbors and uh, fortunate enough that we have several neighbors that have boats. So I do not need to have a boat myself to enjoy it. Um, but I do like spending time um, with my family, with with friends and and uh, and just relaxing. Um, you know, it, it sounds odd, but I, I just really enjoy this industry. So I actually spend time even on the weekends just reviewing posts on Twitter or understanding things. and um, and now that my son is is uh, twelve, um, you know,' I'm, I'm getting to the point where no matter how cool I might think I am, uh, Twelve-year-old doesn't always <laughs> want to hang out with his dad every day, so uh, so I'm given the luxury of more time to fill. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, spending time with friends and family, um, and then honestly, I I do uh, I do like uh, investing in the stock market. I, I think it it reinforces uh, some of the things that I'm looking to do, which is to be aware of the industry. The more aware of the yeah. industry you are, the more informed you are theoretically not always worked out that way for me, (laughs) my investments, but um, I do enjoy that as well. Fantastic to
0: hear. And I think, um, look, if you you love the industry, Mike, and you're looking to spend more time on it on the weekend, Clubhouse is for you. That is the (laughs) opportunity that you have been waiting for. Um, Good to know. Before before we let you go, um, finally, what is the number one golden rule that you have for, for life and business?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's going to sound somewhat repetitive, but I just think, um, you know, be in the moment of what you're doing and try to understand and, and look for an opportunity to learn from whatever you're doing. Um, I just, you know, whether, honestly, whether you're in this industry, whether you're in any other industry, whether in your service industry, uh, which I've spent time in as well, I think everybody should just get an understanding of what that's like. Um, there is something you can learn from everything that you do. And if you're going to spend time, whether you are doing it voluntarily or where you're, you're, you know, whether you're doing it because you have to, to make a living, um, one thing that will make that more enjoyable is if you try to understand what you can learn from what you're doing every time you're doing it. Um, so I think that's that's kind of my my mantra if I had one.
0: Kind of stay curious, effectively. Stay. Curious. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's that's definitely the, the, the better way to summarize it. <laughs> but for sure. Yeah. Fabulous.
0: I like it. Well, look, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Huxley Morton podcast. Thanks very much for sharing yeah, your story of, of, of personal and professional growth. Um, and look, I'll, I'll certainly be keeping in touch. Um, you know, interested to see what, what happens next for yourself. And look, perhaps at some point we'll have, we'll have to get you back on so that you can talk us through, you know, how you've implemented all of these things, um, you know, with, your, with the new venture.
1: Yeah, th- thanks so much, James and Adam, and, and one, for creating this, uh, which was you know, somewhat serendipitous out of, uh, out of the COVID landscape, uh, two, for giving me another podcast to listen to and learn from, <laughs> so that's always helpful, um, and three, back. yeah, I really enjoyed the time, happy to be on um, and, and to share you know, what I got right or wrong on, uh, on DCT predictions from last year um, and, and what are the sort of industry predictions I might have uh, created in my head, so I uh, really enjoyed the time. Fantastic. Thank
0: you. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Great. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yes.